I uh, started to look and think to myself, you know, when you look at the Hebrew scriptures, there's not a lot there about salvation. There's when, when the term salvation is used, it's always in the in much, very much in the present tense, and it's very it's it's physical, meaning that you know in the in the Psalms when you read about salvation, it's, it's about David, you know, being saved from his enemies, and and uh, and, and and when there are other uh, uh, when the term is used, it, it generally was it's in that that realm of of salvation being saved from and again it's mostly in the psalms but 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 saved from some um trouble of some sort and it, and it means the the psalmist is is talking about immediate um something that that would occur at the time except for the ones that we've that through later christian thought and tradition have reinterpreted um but i'm talking about during the actual time that these things were being written uh uh, there, there was the, the, the idea of the, Jew, uh, the the Jewish view of, of again, of post mortem bliss is is um, pretty much non existent. Um, the idea uh, of an afterlife is is pretty non existent uh, in the in the Hebrew scriptures. Everybody went, when everybody died, they went to they went to Sheol, the pit, the grave. Um, not that this is the point of the lesson, but what's interesting about that is when you read the the psalmist, uh, 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 when you read the psalmist, a lot of that is uh, the, the the problem that that you know the psalmist says about death and going to Sheol into the grave is that um, he asks the question, uh, who can worship God from the grave? And so uh, the that's one of the major issues there with, with, with death. But again, the, the idea that uh, there's not much talking there about salvation in that, that aspect. Again, uh, even animals. You read the book of Ecclesiastes. Animals and people. He even makes a statement. You know, they both go to the same place. They go to Sheol. Um, and so... That's a whole other topic, but my point is kind of to set the idea for me when I was starting to study this was the, the, the question, you know, what, what did the Israelites live, live for um, being that, that this, this concept of, of, the, of, a, of, a hev- of, of, of heaven in terms of the, of the uh, again, post-mortem um, is, is pretty much absent. And so... What you get from that, I think the answer is, is that they live for covenant. They live for covenant with, with God, um, for relationship with God, and living in, in terms of, of, of God's law and instruction. Uh, and I would argue, too, that, that they live for relationships. And, and when we look at the, the Scriptures and we talk about restoration, it's not just about bringing a wholeness back to you know, someone who's uh, has a physical illness or or needs or has demons or something like that. But it's the restoration of every problem that sin has caused uh, since uh, since the garden, which mostly involves human relationships, uh, relationships with God and relationships with with one another. And so the 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 purpose, as 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 I hope I'm conveying throughout this class, is. That God's purpose is again, again, much, much uh, higher than just 
than I hate using I didn't not word just, but but it's more than than, than that idea of that we sometimes have um, about you know man I hope I, I make it into heaven or or you know and I'm trying to avoid hell. It's it's interesting. The reason I bring this up too is because I when you talk to people sometimes and you you ask them, especially if they were young, you know why why'd you get baptized? And a lot of the reason, and understandably, it's not. I'm not saying it's it's the wrong view, but understandably, it was the, the idea. Well, I wanted to go to heaven. Um, again, nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, but again, the, the, there's a much wider scope than that that I think that God is trying to accomplish um, for His His purposes for mankind. But um, so go with all that. Let's look at, at some of the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures of what. Uh, their hopes and visions were for God's rule. Uh, and then next week, uh, before I forget, if y'all want to start looking at the Beatitudes, uh, both in, you can look at the uh, the blessings and woes in Luke and what's called the Beatitudes in Matthew. And that's what we're going to look at for the next two weeks. Again, I would love to have a class just on the whole you know, ethics of uh, Christian ethics in light of God's rule. We just don't have the time for that. Uh, but look at those, and we'll touch on some subjects the next two weeks um, uh, regarding uh, uh, the Beatitudes as God's reign and rule are represented in those. Um, but for now, let's look again at some of these hopes and visions that Israel had for uh, God's rule. So Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if somebody wants to... To pick that up. The word that Isaiah <coughs> said according to Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established to the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Let us go to the mountain of the Lord, and the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and we may walk in his paths. From Zion we shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide the disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift sword, sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, I was talking to Marsha about this. Um, I'm not a big fan. I mean... I like topical studies, but they're much harder to, in my opinion, to to teach than uh, than expository uh, studies because I, I'm not a big fan of of lifting certain parts of scripture out of context. Um, and you know, with a scripture or with a subject as big as the kingdom of God, it's almost impossible not to do that. Are you warm enough or cool enough? Because I'm getting pretty warm up it's, here. Um, I don't know. It's probably the lights. Huh? Uh, I was talking to mom. But, uh, okay. Uh, okay, cool. Um, anyways, so um, the. Uh, I lost my train of thought. So, so. What's that? Yeah, so out of context. I don't, it, it, but it's you know something I, I have to do. I, the, what we're going to look at, because there's no, not, not a, the, the word kingdom of God is not really used in, in the Hebrew scriptures that much, um, I, I am selecting certain texts that kind of describe what God's vision 
uh, for uh, Israel is at the, well, not even Israel, but the whole world at that at that time. Uh, there, it's not an exhaustive list. Uh, almost every what you'll see in Isaiah in the chapters that that we're going to read is that just prior to those chapters, God is is, is prophesying well, through Isaiah. Um, uh, um, for lack of a better word, curse or, or a punishment for 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 the things that they had that they haven't attended to, but and that's interesting about God. Every you know, even if you go back as far as as, as Eden, is that even when He pronounces a curse uh, or punishment for something, it is almost immediately followed with uh, restoration or at least a lessening of of the punishment in some sort or some act of grace. Uh, that that provides uh, uh, a removal of the obstacle to some degree uh, between uh, God and, and, and man, and, and it's true too with some of the verses. But I'm not, I don't have time to read um, every every passage about that. So I just want to be honest about that. That that everything we're looking at is is not the the, the complete view. Uh, but I selectively uh, went through and and. Uh, wanted to address these these certain texts. So uh, what are some of the things that you might notice in this first passage that that might be interesting to you? Again, concerning God's rule and reign and this vision that God has uh, for for uh, Israel. And there's there's no you know right answer here. It's just you know what what you know. Do you see anything there that that interests you? He didn't come to us. We go to him. Okay. Okay. <coughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. How comprehensive it is. Uh, you know, even though Israel's the special nation, it's clear that all nations shall be drawn through them. I mean, it's just it's clear that it's yeah. So inclusive. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's literally. Everyone, this is not a case of hyperbole, right? But this is literal, all the nations. Right. And, and obviously, we see that in Jesus' ministry. Uh, you know, that it was all-inclusive. And that bothered a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, that's the way it is. And we don't have time to talk. I wanted to have a class about who are the citizens of the kingdom. Um, you know, who are, who are the, the uh, invitees uh, of the kingdom. Uh, I think we all know well enough, you know, what Jesus' mission was, but but it's always nice to be reminded of of uh, who the gospel is is for. Uh, but yeah, so um, inclusiveness. What else? Well, you, I've always kind of thought: did, did in the Old Testament, did the Israelites, did they know their mission? Mm-hmm. And in my table. Uh, daily Bible reading, I kind of started at Isaiah, and it did what the kings, it was chronological. And I've earmarked in Isaiah more than I ever have and underlined. I believe I underlined that passage you did. Uh He told them. He told them over and over. So they knew that they were supposed to go out. And be that light. And be that light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah. 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 Uh, I like that. I like the uh, you know back up in four where he starts talking about uh, rebuking many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their shears <clears throat> into pruning hooks. You know he's trying to turn their focus. 
They've always had this focus on war, mm-hmm. war, war. And if you've started reading that book, <laughs> <laughs> I think the three of us here, I know what we're talking about. Um, the, the, the point is, is, is we, like them, we need to quit focusing on war. Mm-hmm. We need to be focused on peace. Yes. And God has, has wanted that from the beginning. Yes. And we just, we spend way, too, I don't want to head down this road, but we spend way too much time plotting. I'm going to head down that military, road. So you, so you go, you go right ahead. Where, I mean, it becomes a Christianity, if you will. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's not meant to be. God yes. never meant us to be a warring nation. Yes. Yes. And so. Yeah. And, 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 um. I'll, I'll discuss that as we go. I don't want to jump ahead there. No, 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 no. You'll, you'll get no. there eventually. Ha- you don't, as I told you, I got out of ministry because, because of passages like this. I got, um, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about that here in a few minutes. Um, I, I got, I, I became, not, I, I, I became, it became, uh, a, I became aware and cognizant of the fact that uh, a lot of people don't like what you just said. It's in Scripture. We know what Jesus said about those, some of those things, um, and we and everybody will say Amen because how do you argue what it's what it says right there? It's not until we start connecting the dots and making it real that that people start getting upset about that. And and two things, you know, that was twenty years ago when these things started to occur to me, and again, I'll I'll kind of run through a little bit about that in in, in a little bit, but uh, what I realized is that um, uh, that it it is a difficult subject, uh, and I wasn't going to get real deep into it today. Um, I I was going to get more into it when we talk about... um, the most basic teaching of Jesus, maybe the rock that everything is built else upon, is is uh, love for for enemies. Um, that's kind of the litmus test for for Christianity, uh, and we'll we'll get to that. But again, these some of these things that we talk about are are very difficult, and it's really unfortunate that we don't talk about it more, uh, really. And so, for you to say that, it it gives me the chills. That some to see because it's so minute. When I talk to other people, that um, the, how against just last night I was reading on Amazon reviews of this book, and some, a couple of them were just just they were just so mad um, about it because of some of what you just kind of said. And I'm like, why would somebody be mad about peace? It's it's just mind blowing. But I think what it is is. When we talk about peace, it shines light on our own darkness about how we go about our daily life um, with regard to how how do we respond to uh, the world's violence and, and things like that. So um, so that's my main thing that I get from this too. And again, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in, uh, in, in a couple of passages um, that we'll read. Uh, it's it, but my the point of my this class is not about anti-war as much as it is that we will see. It's, it goes way beyond that. But the restoration aspect of God's rule, as Sam has said, it's always been peace. Um, it's always been a, a, a familial 
uh, uh, aspect that, that, that people have peace with one another. And that term I used last week, shalom, that has so many meanings in it, peace, prosperity, wholeness, all those things. That has always been God's, God's desire for, for mankind. Um, it, what, what makes it hard for us is living within two kingdoms. Um, is how do we practice that? Uh, and so, uh, again, this class isn't completely about that, but, but it's going to be a reoccurring theme because, again, it's, I'm, I'm just, this is what God's vision is for the world, and it's a very important aspect of it. So um, uh, I, I want to read a, a, short, uh, a short little passage in this book about that, that section. So um, in time to come, we do not know when, in Yahweh's good and sure time, Jerusalem will loom large and tall as a reference point for the nations. That will be when the city has become a place commodious for, for uh, widows and orphans, when the city is marked, as it surely will be, by faithfulness, justice, and righteousness. And, that, and that's another thing, too, we'll, we'll see in another, in another context. We talk about justice in the, in the, in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures. What does justice and righteousness refer to? It's not a test. I'm just, I like to get participation. Um, you know, when you think about uh, those words, what, you know, what, maybe what do you normally think about? And then, and then, you know, how does, how does Hebrew scripture kind of define those terms? What do we normally think about when we think about justice? Okay, that it's it, it, almost a getting even kind of thing, like. Yes. So, um, you know, if, if if someone steals ten dollars yeah. from me, then I either get my ten dollars back, or at least they're punished um, for that. Somebody else said something. You didn't. I said honor. Honor. Okay. All right. Anything else? Fairness and equity, right? Like oh. the idea that, like the, the Old Testament, super frustrated when. For instance, poor people are treated worse than rich people. Yes. That really angers God. Yeah, I would argue that the terms justice and righteousness in the Old Testament have a leaning more towards that than anything else. There certainly there are parts uh, that talk about you know in the Levitical law, some you know you know a neighbor's dog kills your goat, they have to pay you certain amount to replace it so th there is that aspect of justice but when you look at the prophets justice and righteousness always has something to do with the oppression of the weak and the poor um, especially widows and, and orphans and and, and um, uh, people of, of that and again don't have time would love to look at some of some of, of those passages but but justice and righteousness always has the idea that that the that the poor will receive equity in the courts um, that they won't be oppressed by the powerful, and so yes, this 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 huge theme of equity, and I think it's so unfortunate that politics today have, have ruined so much of what the church has to offer, because when you talk about uh, if I use the word use the term social justice, uh, you know it has such negative connotation today due to political ideologies, and and social justice is a Especially in the in the in the uh, Hebrew scriptures, as as uh, 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 David had said, that that it, it really angers God. That's what he's what he's getting on to these people about is that you've, you you're not you're not 
you're you're not taking care of the people and you're oppressing these people um and so uh it's it's a huge part of 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 god's plan uh of how people should treat each other so i just wanted to add that but um, that's hard today though for a lot of people and you know we like to <coughs> me and michelle participate in a lot of different volunteer works <coughs> i think that's something that everybody should be doing but I know in talking with other people, and I try not to ever carry this attitude, but a lot of people are like, I'm not helping somebody that's not willing to help themselves. Yeah. And I understand that, but I think that we, tr- we should try to give and help those people no matter. Yes. <coughs> and... But I do understand where that attitude comes from, and it is difficult because I don't want to help. If a homeless person comes up to me, I don't want to give them money to go out and spend it on, yeah, you know, alcohol or drugs. Right. But we don't always have that decision to make. Yeah. You just give where you feel that it's best to give. Right. And sometimes there's a book. <coughs> there's a a book called. <coughs> excuse me. It's called uh, helping help. It's called helping is hurting but that's not the point of the book it's not saying it's it's saying sometimes the, the, that you you can hurt people by helping so yeah there and that's the thing about scripture I, and I'm I, I do read the scripture quite liberally because I think it is a spectrum of there's always the idea that that you have to weigh certain things sometimes and and be cognizant of, of how we do things in, in the world. and But that's a very honest idea of how we feel about sometimes, about um, you know, how we might judge people um, and or the, the things that we're, we're, called, we're called to, to, uh, to do. So, yeah, thanks for adding that. Well, and it makes it hard for Sam, for the elders. Oh, be, yeah, like who to, yeah, yeah. Talking with Papaw. <coughs> of course. They don't. They want to help, but where do I help? That's not going to hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so by faithfulness, justice, and righteousness, in that time, Jerusalem will be like a magnet, drawing all the nations of the world toward its peculiar authority. Norman Gottwell suggests that the image of the poem is something like an effective United Nations, where the nations can come in concert, drawn by a shared offer of well-being where war will be unnecessary and no longer an available practice of the nations. The nations will want to come to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem, Yahweh is fully present as the source of all life for the world. In Jerusalem, moreover, is the Torah of Yahweh, Torah meaning law and instruction, that will make available to the nations Israel's Yahweh given secret for peace. That is, the Torah is the clue for peace in the world. Yahweh will become the the arbiter, the world court, so that matters will be decided equitably without recourse to violence, force, or war. The nations presumably, excuse me, will accept the, the verdicts of Yahweh because Yahweh is so obviously effective, wise, and just. The acceptance of such a governance will permit serious and complete disarmament. The nations will not need to defend against each other because Yahweh will establish a 
a Pax Jerusalem. I had to work the look that that word up, um, meaning uh, it basically just means a. Um, a law of peace, if you will, a place of peace, through, through which all will be safe and prosperous. Indeed, all will be well. Earlier, the poet had observed negatively silver to dross, wine to water, princes to thieves. Now the transformation is positive. Swords to plowshares, spears to pruning hooks. There will be a cessation of political and economic oppression and threat. Moreover, moreover there will be an end to hateful, divisive ideology. The nations will learn peace and will practice it. It is astonishing that after the deep threat of chapter 1, the vision moves beyond the threat without denying it. In the end, after the threat is implemented, as surely it will be, Jerusalem so radically criticized is still the seat of the world's best possibility. Jerusalem is the dramatic center of the new go- governance whereby Yahweh will be done on Yahweh's will will be done on earth as it is uh, in heaven. And again, this, these are you know the, the, what the Hebrew hopes are. I don't, I don't, I've never studied where wherever we're going with this with God's restoration. Um, and and if we have time. I want to look at some New Testament uh, verses, but uh, wherever we're going with this, my, my, my challenge to you again is just to, to, to accept the idea, again, that God's purpose is so much larger than my individual concept of, of going, going to heaven. Um, it's, it's, it's just much broader than, than that. But whatever that, that looks like in the end, I, I don't have the answer to that. All I can do is kind of point point to the visions that are here. I'm not a person who's ever studied millennialism, pre-millennialism, the, the rapture, uh, dispensationalism, all, all that stuff. I've never, I don't, I, don't, I don't know much about it. So I'm not preaching anything in that realm about whether God will reign on earth or anything like that. All I'm simply saying is that I do know the scriptures teach is that there will be some radical transformation uh, of, of humanity, of creation, and into a, a new world order, if you will, in which these aspects of, of, that involve all of humanity, equity, justice, righteousness, um, all those things will, will prevail and be present within that, that, that reign of God. Um, and my other aspect of that is is that uh, I hope that we learn that it's that it's I almost said it's our job, but it's really not our job. It's 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 a gift and a vocation that God has invited humanity to through Jesus to make that vision manifested in reality here now, not. It is a future hope because the the complete manifestation of it will not occur until the resurrection. But it's not as though we're sitting around here waiting for that to happen and twiddling our our thumbs or, and this is the the important part, or thinking to ourselves, I have to do X, Y, Z. I have to be, be of service. I have to do this. I have to do that to go to heaven. That's not the point. The point is God has invited everyone to participate in his creative acts to restore humanity to its its proper relationship with God and with each other.
and 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 that's the final goal, um, in my view. Uh, yeah. Who? Go ahead. Not in your view, in the scriptures. Well, I, I mean, right. I, I appreciate right. your humility in there. Yes. But, I mean, we're here. We're, we got it. We got an elder right here leading the way on it. Yeah. Like, that's the truth. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, I just, I, I, I do, I understand that not everybody agrees on everything. And so, um, uh, and so I just try to, try to, Try to put that out there. That's the that's the way that I that I view that I view scripture. Well, the um, other way is more difficult to live. The other view. Um, oh yes. Just trying to get to happen. Sure. Yes. I think yeah. That if that's your understanding and that's the way you live, it's very difficult <clears throat> to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And what joy is there in it? Yeah. Really. You know, and it creates all other kinds of problems that I could teach a whole other class about because that's why I wanted to do this class is so that we can get beyond that and see what 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 the real purpose is. And, and again, it goes way beyond our own individual uh, selves. Um, I, it's funny cause, because I struggled so much with this lesson and what I wanted to do. And frankly, I wrote it last night. But all these thoughts have been going on for years and... and, and uh, uh, and I thought, I, I thought, I may have some time left over. And I'm like, I, no, I'm not going to have time left over. So uh, quickly, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and uh, forth more, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Okay. So I would ask everybody again to look at this and see what you see within it, but I'm sure you're saying you'll see a theme. This is more about this again, this kind of Davidic uh, uh, individual that will that will come in the future, um, and uh, this you know, wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, of Peace, um, you know, David and His Kingdom. It's, he will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. So again. Um, since we've already discussed that that part, I don't want to go any further, and I'm already <coughs> running short on time. Uh, but we get the idea here, and again, the, these verses you you, uh, you can go to in in, in a different way. Uh, Isaiah is filled with passages such as this. Uh, you know, Jeremiah. Uh, you talk about the the uh, the new covenant and the, and the the dry bones and and all of that, but the idea is that, that this 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 new this new order is coming that God is going to restore uh, at least in this point at, at this point uh, uh, Israel to to what they're supposed to like almost what you were saying to their what they're supposed to be a light unto the nations so that the nations would be drawn um, to God. Uh, through them, I've only yeah I got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to jump forward to some things. I, w- I had a lot more scripture to <coughs> to look at, but I want to talk about maybe just some real things. If you'll indulge me uh, for for a moment, uh, a few minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Nine forty-five. 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 Nine forty-five.
Yeah, but what I've got to take will take about five minutes. So, um, but yeah. So, um, just to put some some uh, some real world ideas to this. So, when when I was younger, uh, you know, like some single people do when they get married and get on their own. Me and Marsha, you know, we really couldn't find a church in Norman we liked and stuff. And we kind of stopped going for a while. <coughs> um, and I started listening to a guy, y'all know who Charles Stanley is. Started listening to him. He was He's a Baptist preacher out of Atlanta. He just died about two weeks ago, actually. And um, lovely man. And, and he would talk about the love of God and stuff. And, and again, this is not something against the people I used to worship with. They were great people. But their but their their purpose, at least they felt, I think, was different than 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 uh what I think is kind of given in scripture. But um as I told y'all before, you know, I knew I knew more probably about what the Baptists were doing wrong than I than I knew about the grace of God. And so when I started studying on my own, I started studying Romans, and I was like, you know, is this what this really, and I would come to Dale when we started coming to church, I'm like, is this what this says? I'm like, yeah, that's what it says, and it was just so shocking to me, I'm like, this is really good stuff, this is good, you know, good news, and that's when I decided I wanted to start working here and be a minister, I'm like, people need to know this, and at that time, the Church of Christ, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, the Church of Christ, many churches of Christ were... Um, so conservative in their, and I don't even like using the word conservative, but, you, but so conservative in their thinking that if you mention the word grace, it's not as though they don't know that it's not there, but it would always be followed up with a but, you know, a big but. At the, you know, yes, we're saved by God's grace, but, you know, we have to do this. This There's always something attached to it. And I'm not saying that, 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 that biblical or ethical uh, demands are not placed on Christians. I'm, I'm just simply saying that that the idea of grace was not something that was that was that, that I had developed, I guess. And um, so that was fascinating to me when when I left here and got my first job at Lacoma. Uh, about after about a year of that, so has anyone ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs before? It's a book about um, about the, the martyrs during the, the Roman times. Um, I, I've seen it debated that may it might be a little um uh over the top maybe that maybe you know the romans uh weren't always as, as terrible as as uh as we kind of think in our heads but but anyways it's it's just a book about martyrdom and i and it started me on this quest to think you know what kind of faith did these people have that they would that they would be willing to to die for that faith and at the time, I didn't feel that way, that I had felt that, that way. And so I was talking to one of my professors at OC, and he said, hey, you know, get, get this book. You know, so this is what started me on that, on that, on that trail. Um, and so, uh, in going back a little bit, so when I was an intern here, uh, when the Iraq War started, uh, I think it was 2003, um, it was either that or Afghanistan, but I think it was Iraq. Well, Marsha and I working here, uh, or me working here, it it, it it was an internship, so we didn't have a whole lot of money, so we didn't have um, uh, cable. Um, I don't have cable today, so what is that? <laughs> um, so, so I, um, but anyways, uh, so I didn't have cable, but um, I was very, 
a very patriotic person at the time. Um, and I remember uh, asking uh, Darren Butler, hey, can I come to your house after church Wednesday night? He's like, why? Because he had cable. I'm like, why? I want to watch the shock and awe. And if I were to tell you that, you know, maybe even before this, I don't know what your thoughts would be, but no, no matter what your view of the Iraq war is, is really, it's not that, or my view even for that matter, it's not the point. The point is how could somebody that was training for the ministry um, be excited about the idea of watching the shock and awe where people were going to be killed. And as much as we like to talk about how targeted our our military actions are, and 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 I do believe to some extent that, that they do try to make that happen, but we know that civilians die in these types of things. And again, I'm not it, it's not a political kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm just simply saying, how could a Christian who says they believe certain things be excited about something like that. And the point, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that I didn't know about this then because it was all about personal piety. It was all about, you know, doing this and being a good person and stuff and, and things of that nature. I never knew about the, you know, what God's vision for the, the world. Had I read that Jesus said, you know, peace be with you? Yes. But again, I didn't connect the, the dots to, to what real life was like. That was the first no. Second, let me share something with you before before you go. Um, let me read this right quick. Um, has anyone ever heard of, of the Christmas truce of 1914? Anybody know what that is? Okay, cool, Evan. Um, so, yeah. So, in, in 1914, during the First World War, uh, the, the some of the sides, they in their trenches, like literally hundreds of yards away, uh, decided on Christmas Eve that that they weren't gonna they were gonna cease and they did it on their own it's not like it was a, a peace treaty or anything like that and so um, they there's a movie about it called uh, Joy X Noel it's a French movie it has it has uh, subtitles to it <coughs> but um, very good movie but this is a real true story about these people uh, about the war ceasing. Um, because of that, and and I, I just want to share this with you, because um, it kind of embodies what we're talking about, um, and it's a song by by Garth Brooks, and you know you can go listen to it, you know on YouTube, but it's called Bella Wood, B E L L E A U, Bella Wood, with the place where it happens, and I just want to read the lyrics to it right quick, and I appreciate everybody staying, but if you need to go, you can go as well, but but these are just the lyrics to it. Um, it says, oh, I might start singing it because you know how you get something, you know the, the song. Um, uh, so it says, oh, the snowflakes fell in silence over Bella Wood that night. For a Christmas truce had been declared by both sides of the fight. As we lay there in our trenches, the silence broke in two by a German soldier singing a song that we all knew. Though I did not know the language, the song was Silent Night. Then I heard my buddy whisper, all is calm and all is bright. Then the fear and doubt surrounded me, because I'd die if I was wrong. But I stood up on my trench, and I began to sing along. 
Then across the frozen battlefield, another voice joined in until one by one each man became a singer of the hymn. Then I thought that I was dreaming, for right there in my sight stood the German soldier neath the falling flakes of white. And he raised his hand and smiled at me as if he seemed to say, here's hoping we both live to see us find a better way. Then the devil's clock struck midnight and the skies lit up again and the battlefield where heaven stood was blown to hell again. But for one just fleeting moment, the answer seemed so clear. Heaven's not beyond the clouds, it's just beyond the fear. No, heaven's not beyond the clouds, it's for us to find here. Uh, so kind of encompasses the idea that we're supposed to be bringing heaven here. And what we'll talk about when we talk about the Beatitudes is uh, that it's also beyond the fear. And I think what, what helps us from being disciples and embracing what Sam said about our, our views about war and, and fighting and things like that is, is, is the fear that we have um, uh, about those types of things and our own safety and security. So um, I, I think everyone, I wish we had another half hour. I've got, you know, I, you know, I didn't expect to have this, this uh, expected to go short, but, um, but that's it for What's today. What's the name of the movie that, um, we'll, that we watched Joy X Noel. Oh. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, French. Uh, J L Y E U X, I believe. So, yeah. But uh, oh, before next week, I'm sorry. One more thing. If you if you would before next week, if you find that you have time, there's another movie. It's free. You can watch it on YouTube or you can watch it on on Prime. Uh, it's called uh, End of the Spear. And I won't tell you what it's about because I want to ruin it for you but um, it's it's a fantastic movie and I'd like to talk about it next week um, because it does it, it, it talks about missionaries going into to the Amazon jungle with a tribe that was uh, killing and warring with each other and the effects of, of what happened but uh, again it's called end of the spear uh, and you can watch it for free you can just pull it up on YouTube or watch it on prime so Say again. I don't know. I don't know what. It it, okay, it's uh, I, the, the main woman I remember is named, and it was Rachel. Um, but, but she was at a different place, but she was involved in it. So, you know.